The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. with First Circle. And today I'm joined by Desi Bartlett. And Desi is um, has 25 years of experience in health and fitness. She has two exercise science related degrees, multiple certification, and she's internationally published as well as being a product designer. She has, an impassion, she has a passion for empowering women through the joy of movement. And she has two children, Cruz, who's 11, and Rocket, who's six. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, this is extra special for me. It's my birthday. Oh, so happy it's, birthday. Thank so you. Fun. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, I'm really excited about this topic today. Your book is called Your Strong, Sexy Pregnancy. And so we're going to be talking about um, what sexy means in pregnancy and fitness and health in all aspects um, before, during, and after pregnancy. So I love it. So super fun. Okay. So first of all, how did you get into the whole birth world? <laughs> um, so I've been in fitness and yoga forever. I've got, um, you know, two degrees, 10 certifications, the whole thing. And I had a lot of people over the years ask me to work with them during pregnancy. And I politely declined all the time until I was pregnant for the first time. I felt like I had no business telling anyone what was happening in their bodies if I didn't know what it felt like in my own body. I don't put that on other people. I know that there's amazing professionals who have never had children who work with moms, but just for me and, and my comfort level, I wanted to wait. So during my first pregnancy, like 12 years ago, I started to go to classes. I went to um, yoga and fitness classes that were intended for, for pregnancy. And I felt like um, Goldilocks, like this one was too hard and this one was too easy. And this one, they didn't even <laughs> say the word baby. And I'm like, you know, I've got so much education and experience. I, I can do this. And so I started to just turn into like anatomy nerd, physiology nerd once again and dig into the subject with such a passion that my husband, my husband was like, if I never hear the words pelvic floor again out of your mouth, I'll be good. Oh, yes. So um, since then, I've, you know, I've done pre and postnatal DVDs. I'm on each body on demand. I've written a book, the whole thing. And I, I just love it. And I'm, I'm so passionate about helping other women. Okay. So you saw what they were doing and you're like, Oh, I have this training. I can be one of these instructors. Is that kind of what your train of thought was? Yeah. My, my train of thought was really, you know, I, I have so many years of exercise science. Um, I, I know how to do this and I know how to do it with love because that that's really sort of the place that I always come from when I'm working with people I want to look at you know how can I empower you in your body to feel great from the inside out and to enjoy movement so um if no one else was going to do it I was more than happy to step up and, and be that person yeah well it's pretty new because even just a generation ago pregnant women's bodies were pretty much ignored you wore a muumuu I mean they didn't even make clothes <laughs> that fit you know so this new concept of 
engaging your body in a purposeful way, that that's kind of new. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And it was actually, um, you know, Lane Bryant, they make yeah. uh, like plus size clothes. They were the first company, as I understand it, to create maternity clothes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's pretty like modern day. So I don't know what women were doing for centuries before Momos. that. Momos. Momos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was pregnant for the first time 16 years ago and there was nobody, uh, Walmart had a tiny, tiny section. Target had a tiny itty bitty section, like three things. And then there was this motherhood maternity and that's it. There was no other option. And now all these online boutiques, I mean, sometimes you're better dressed pregnant than you are not pregnant. (laughs) I mean, how often do we get new clothes really? Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. So talk about your, the book is strong, sexy pregnancy, but what does sexy mean? Um, so when I think of sexy, I think of, of confidence and sort of walking into the room and not feeling like a pregnant lady with a backache. You know, when you, when you walk in and, and the, the chest is elevated and the heart is open and, and you kind of just feel like, okay, I got this to me. I think that's super sexy. Um, when I was pregnant the first time, I remember there were days when I felt like, like superwoman, you know, I felt like beautiful and radiant. My body was changing. My hair was thick and my skin was like glowing. And then the next day I felt like a fat lady with a pimple on my face and there was sort of of like no in between. (laughs) So I, I tried to look at like, well, what, what's the difference here? I know some of it's hormonal from day to day and there's going to be like, you know, shifts in mood and whatnot. But also, like, what, what's the, the mental state and what are the thoughts that I am bringing into my experience that are creating this? And so looking at, at simple things like posture and um, how I'm breathing and what I'm telling myself in the morning makes a huge difference. Mm. Okay, so, um, so sexy doesn't mean just what happens in the bedroom. No. <laughs> Although we're going to talk about that here too. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, we have to because, you know, that that's how women get pregnant. And sometimes like when we're talking about pregnancy, we have this um, sort of outdated um, idea of, can I, am I allowed to use language? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, have you heard of the Madonna whore complex? Mm-mm. Okay. So it's a term used in psychology and it's this idea of women are, are either like the Madonna and sacred and uh, virgins and like, or they're, you know, (laughs) they're the people in the bedroom that they, somebody wants to get busy with. And there's sort of like no in between either. You you see the woman as um, so pure that you can't touch her or so uh, sexual that that's all she's good for. And we're not built like that no my goodness yeah no that that is that is the spectrum no wow Mm -hmm. and it's not even that you can be on a what my I'm sorry my head is hurting right now I've never heard of that but I can see it in play I can see it in play so I I guess it it pregnant women were seen as a Madonna in a lot of ways yes exactly and so once she gets pregnant you're not allowed to have fun no, 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 because of all these weird concepts. And also, I think also men sometimes um, may, may or may not have had uh, the sexual education about a woman's body. 
And so you'll, you'll hear these like really sweet, innocent questions like, you know, will I hurt the baby when we're having sex and, and things like that? What, what can you see my penis or like <laughs> I'm like oh dear right <laughs> what are some of the other ones you've heard some of oh my goodness um yeah okay let's see well well I took their labor that's yeah, another one that's a big one yeah and and near the end um I've heard midwives say what helps the baby get in helps the baby get out that actually um, the prostaglandins in the semen will help ripen the cervix. So if you're having a hard time, that is one of the things for induction right there at the end. If you are having a hard time getting things going, you can go have some fun and that will help. But before, before you're due, that won't make a difference. Exactly. Yeah. You know, your second trimester that, yes. Um, but then explaining to women, especially at, at the end and when it is time, um, for labor and delivery, you know, like the benefit of an orgasm and how that can help to trigger labor as well. You know, again, these are things that no one ever really talks about um, because we don't associate sexuality with a woman who's 40 weeks pregnant. Yeah. So what does an orgasm in pregnancy do throughout the trimesters? Um, throughout the trimesters, I, I've not dug into it, but I know at, at the very end, it can help to trigger labor. Um, basically, you just get into a relaxed state, and as as I know from uh, babies that went a little bit later, when sometimes when we're so freaked out about like you know I, I'm two days past my due date, or um, you know how am I going to get this baby out? Sometimes what's really called for is simply like bliss and relaxation, mm-hmm. and that when I think of orgasm, that's kind of what I think of. There you go. Yeah, I mean, of course, that would help with labor, huh? <laughs> I know sometimes not not all the way, not always um, intercourse. You know, when you have your midwife and your doula and your photographer there, it's kind of hard to like <laughs> go do that. But we do ask them sometimes to go ahead and make out. <laughs> oh, I love that. Making out will just loosen everything up. Um, I've heard midwives say that what's happening in your mouth and your throat <laughs> is what's happening at your cervix. And so if yes. your mouth is open and relaxed, then so is your cervix. <laughs> I've taught that in prenatal classes before. So very often when we're in downward facing dog, I invite mommies to take a great big breath in, hold the breath for like one second, and then <sighs> sigh it out so that they can learn that association, so they can learn how to open the mouth to relax and also to make noise. There's a lot of women who are very shy about making yoga. Interesting. Okay, so let's talk about yoga um, or any type of physical exercise in terms of preparation for that birth and, and learning. You said it teaches the woman how to open open that breath. And, and So what other things can you learn through yoga or physical practice before? Yeah, so um, let me get really, really nerdy here and talk about something that we call the inner unit. And think of think of a cylinder. And so at the top of the cylinder, we have the diaphragm, you know, moving down and up as you breathe. At the bottom of the cylinder, we have the pelvic floor, which also moves up and down as you breathe. At the front, we have the transverse abdominus, so the deeper abdominal muscles. And then at the back, we've got um, they're called the multifidi, the lower back muscles. And so what I work with women 
um, to, to kind of learn about is, you know, how do all these muscles work in harmony? And how, how does your core help to support you throughout this pregnancy? I've, I've just seen too many women who have the expectation that their lower back is going to hurt. I get it. Your belly, your belly and your baby are glowing and so your abdomen expands. But it doesn't have to mean that your low back is going to hurt. It doesn't have to mean that you're going to um, pee every time you sneeze. It doesn't have to mean that your breath is going to get super short just because you're walking upstairs. If we can learn how to breathe slowly and deeply and understand the mechanics of what's going on with these four different pieces as we breathe, then it, it's, it's kind of a game changer. Mm, interesting. So, um, what, like, are there certain positions without going into super yoga, but are there certain positions that can help relieve these things or help train yeah, the body? So when, when I'm teaching women how to breathe, I, I actually just have them sit there, you know, just sit up, cross your legs, close your eyes, and put your hands on your abdomen. As you inhale, feel the expansion. As you exhale, feel everything draw in and gently hug the baby. And so I'll, I'll teach, you know, the, the front of the back, and then I'll teach the bottom and the top. And then as we get into, you know, more physical practices, whether it's yoga or fitness or a combination of the two, then I'll, I'll just ask them to reference that. Like, okay, remember 20 minutes ago when we were talking about the pelvic floor and how to lift it gently at the, at the end of the exhale? Maybe you could bring that into a squat. So every time you inhale down, feel the pelvic floor stretching. And then every time you exhale and lift up, feel that extra little lift at the top. So it's not just about your glutes and your quads, which are, you know, fantastic and supposed to work. But you can also get this lift, which is going to help you when it's time to push. Mm, so talk more about the pelvic floor. Um, how is that all? <laughs> Why is it so important <laughs> to protect the pelvic floor? So um, pelvic floor muscles are like a hammock and they, they help to hold the weight of the baby. And my second baby was almost 10 pounds. So nice. I, I'm very, yes, I'm like 5'4", 120. So it, it was a thing. Yep. And, um, you know, these muscles are not something that I think that we learn about in uh, like sculpt classes or even at the OBGYN because most of them, you know, God love them. They don't have time. They have a few yeah. with us. So then when you have your six-week checkup afterwards, that, that's a lot of what they're looking at. You know, they're looking at these muscles. Was there trauma? Was there damage? Was there prolapse? And women don't even know, like, what, wait, I was supposed to work that throughout? Like, yeah. nobody told me. So that, that was a lot of why I wrote the book. I wanted to make sure that women understood their own anatomy and the different exercises that can help to support the anatomy. And also to keep these muscles strong throughout the pregnancy. So then when it's time to push, you have extra power. But you also have typically a, a quicker recovery. So um, pelvic floor is not the same as doing Kegels, right? I mean, do Kegels help the pelvic floor? or what? Did, what? Tell us yes. the truth about Kegels in pregnancy. Uh, Kegels are, are fine and they're one exercise. Um, what I find is that most people do them wrong. And so Kegels help to strengthen the pubococcygeal muscle or the PC muscle. And um, the way that I teach a Kegel is like, okay, next time you're going to the restroom and you have to pee, try to stop the flow of urine for a moment. 
and then you know that you've uh, activated the correct muscles. And then of course, you know, continue. But um, what I see is I see women try to get that contraction and they recruit other muscles to help and it's not necessarily helpful. And what I mean by that is I see a lot of like tushy clenching. I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't need your butt to squeeze. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so learning how to, to activate the pelvic floor and understanding that there's, there's essentially four points, right? Think of like um, a compass in like north, south, east, west. We need the muscles that run north and south to contract. And then we need the muscles that run east and west to contract. So the way that I teach it is like a compass rose. Inhale, and imagine the four points expanding, exhale. Imagine it drawing in and then lifting up. And it usually takes several rounds and all kinds of different metaphors because everyone learns differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I got them all, you know, fortune cookie, compass rose, I, I got a bunch. Okay, so you say in your book that strong is the new skinny. So what do you mean by that? So, so many people wanted to be skinny for so many years. And that was sort of like um, what people were trying to achieve in fitness. And I was working at, I was working at Equinox as a group fitness director and I was teaching classes. And I felt like I was having the same conversation with women, especially day after day, which was, how do I get the last five pounds off? And they all looked fantastic already. And I, I just, I was thinking to myself, this is not the goal. You know, skinny should not be the goal. I, I don't think that skinny is better. What I, what I think is better, what I think is more beneficial to people is strength. Mm. And if you can show me how strong you are and I can help you get even stronger, then that has an application in your life. And I don't know that skinny has an application unless you happen to be like a, a runway model, um, but that's maybe like 1% of the population or less. Mm-hmm. But if I can keep you strong as a mom and, um, you know, strong enough to lift that baby every day in your arms and not have your neck hurt or, you know, another thing no one tells you is those car seats are like 30 pounds. Yeah. So you got a 30 pound car seat. <laughs> yeah. You're told the, not to lift more than 20 pounds for three months. And then you're expected to carry this 30 pound car seat out. <laughs> yes. With the eight what pound does that baby do to in your it? pelvic floor? <laughs> Oy vey. <laughs> It's a lot of pressure. And then on top of that, when you when you use the car seat and when you put the car seat in the car and out, what do you have to do? You have to rotate. And it's it's almost reminiscent of those like 1990s videos of postal workers. Stop, squat, turn, bend. Mm. Like we, we have to teach that because if not, then she could have a backache or a pelvic floor injury or like all kinds of terrible things. So you can actually get injured after the baby's born just as oh, easily yeah. as while you're pregnant. For sure. Your body is um, so delicate, especially in the first couple of weeks, you know, having a baby is a major life event and it. It requires that we take care of our bodies and that we show our bodies grace and patience to recover. Mm, I love that. So, um, what do you what do you say about um, uh, 
so many, it seems like so many exercise programs, they just, they want to push and they want like even pregnancy for yoga, you mentioned the um, Goldilocks and I can totally relate to that too hard, too soft, too easy, too, whatever. Um, what, how do you know for yourself when you're being adequately challenged and not overworked? Yeah, so there's, um, there's a really beautiful prenatal yoga teacher. She's been around for decades. Her name is Vermouk. I don't know if you've heard of her. She was um, like Cindy Crawford's yoga teacher when Cindy Crawford had babies years ago. And she was like um, sort of like the, the new hot thing for a minute. And she stepped back because she felt like uh, her, her practice and her teaching were getting a little too Hollywood. She's a, a beautiful teacher. And she, she says, if you need to nap for more than an hour after you exercise, you did too much. Uh yes it's perfect yes wait what if you have to nap before exercise I mean before exercise it's all good (laughs) I mean are we being judgmental on nap lengths because I'm feeling attacked (laughs) just kidding (laughs) so you also talk about um in your book that you need to that different trimesters are um are good times to do certain activities like in the first trimester you want to increase endurance what does that mean so during the first trimester, when your body is starting to change and, you know, all of a sudden you're walking upstairs and you're getting a little breathy and kind of wondering what's going on, understanding like, oh, wait, I've got 50, 50% more blood volume in my body. My mm-hmm. heart and lungs need to work harder. My body needs to work harder. How can, I, how can I help this process and how can I feel great and empowered as I do so? So starting just with like a real easy exercise program. walk at least just start walking you know Mm -hmm. it's going to be something that's so good for you and your baby and your body um oh god I could just go on and on and nerd about this all day so as you bring it on (laughs) as you walk the the pelvis is going you know like and what that does essentially is it rocks the cradle that the baby is resting in and so babies usually fall asleep or soothed when mommy is exercising. So it's a really sweet time to just connect to your body, connect to your baby. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to keep both of us strong and let's go for a walk together. Oh, I love that. So it's not even just um, your body getting a workout, but it's also your mindset, working on your mindset. Yeah, for sure. Um, you can, you know, you can talk to your baby throughout, especially during exercise. Everyone walks around with headphones and ear pods and the whole thing now, and you can never tell if someone's on the cell phone or talking to you or whatever. So, you know, throw on your headphones if you're self-conscious about it. But while you're walking, I highly encourage you to, to speak to the baby inside. Your voice is their favorite voice in the whole world. Mm-hmm. And you have their favorite everything. So why not use that time to, you know, talk to your, talk to your belly? I love that. Love that. And that's that's a good first step because sometimes the first pregnant the first trimester is kind of gnarly. So just walking and connecting, super simple, right? Super yeah. easy. You're not expecting down dog or <laughs> all these crazy poses. You're just just saying connect and work on your endurance, the ability to maintain a physical ex- physical exercise, right? Yeah. What cool. city are you in? Um, we're in we're in Utah. Okay. 
So I just moved from Los Angeles and I will never forget during my first pregnancy, during the first trimester, I had to pull over on the side of the road and nap. Like, <laughs> well, your freeways would do that to anybody. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but like, just, you know, that was crazy to me that I had so much fatigue. But yeah. what I learned is that our bodies are, are so communicative. But especially here in the U.S., we've taught them to kind of be quiet. You know, oh, you're tired? Let me go get some caffeine or a Starbucks or whatever. Oh, you're thirsty? Let me drink a soda instead of water, even though my body's asking for water. And we kind of train ourselves out of listening to the feedback of the body. Mm -hmm. So learning to tune back into that, especially during pregnancy, is really important. But the good thing is during pregnancy, the body is not subtle, you know? at all. No, no, the body. Nope. <laughs> it's hard to ignore <laughs> while you're pregnant. Yeah. So true. And then the second trimester, you're feeling a little bit better. So what's the priority then? Second trimester is when I like to reintroduce strength work. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be like crazy amount of weight. Maybe you've got like your three pound or your five pound dumbbells or something like that. And also a lot of exercises that use the the weight of your own body. Mm -hmm. So my favorite exercise for pregnant women, just hands down is the squat. And that's because again, it's going to work, you know, so much of the lower body, it's going to work the pelvic floor. It's going to help you with pushing. And what I do in my classes and with my private clients is I do 40 squats for the 40 weeks of pregnancy. Mm. But we break it up. <laughs> so it's not like, you know, hey, let's do 40 squats right now. Um, we'll do 10 to warm up and then we'll move on to some other exercises and then 15 minutes later do another 10, et cetera. And I, I give them like different um, things to do with their arms to keep it interesting. Interesting. So by the point, by the time they're ready to give birth, they can do 40 squats. Oh, for sure. That's Easily. incredible because you spend a lot of time squatting. And if you don't spend a lot of time squatting, then your labor goes longer. <laughs> squatting yeah. helps open your, pel your pelvis and it helps align everything for a baby to slip out. And we American women don't squat enough. We really no, don't. No, we don't. And we're also not taught that that's an option for uh, labor and delivery unless we have like, you know, a midwife or a doula or an amazing OBGYN that offers that to us. But even then, even if you plan to medicate a birth and you plan to be on your back with an epidural, you still yep. have um, five, six, seven centimeters before you get that epidural. And so many women complain about Charlie horses or muscle cramps when they're in these laboring positions. And partly I think it's because they don't have the strength to maintain those positions. I mean, I get, I get annoyed when I have to sit, sit in a squat to weed for more than 10 minutes. How the heck am I supposed to sit through five contractions in a squat if I can't even pull a weed in that position, right? <laughs> It's true. It's true. And my, my first labor and delivery experience, I, I had an epidural and they forgot to turn it down or off towards the end. And so when I was actually pushing, I was totally numb. I couldn't feel anything. My OB was, you know, yelling at the nurse. He should have turned it down and it was a whole thing. But what I was able to do was close my eyes and envision which muscles worked during a squat and get those to activate, oh, that's and it neat. actually worked. Yeah. Oh, that worked. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then in the third trimester, 
talked a little bit about the pelvic floor before, but in the third trimester, you are preparing to push and nurturing your pelvic floor. And how does the pelvic floor work during labor and, and birth? So- yeah, so um, everything has to expand and soften and open and be receptive. So that's when I get, third trimester, I get more into flexibility and softness. And I very often ask women to practice yoga poses, especially on top of a stability ball. Hmm. Um, so you know those big balls and people are like, oh, birthing balls. Oh yeah, I always fall balls. off those. What about those balls? The ones I can't <laughs> sit on without falling off ungracefully? Well, you can, you can um, practice yoga or enjoy fitness work with it against the wall if you feel yeah. like you're going to yeah, fall. There we go. <laughs> um, but those are, those are fantastic for all of that work. So simply sitting on top of a stability ball and walking forward and back just with your hips, you can start to feel like, oh, these are my pelvic floor muscles and this is how my pelvis goes into anterior tilt and posterior tilt or lateral side to side just kind of playing with it and going like, oh, you know, even if you don't want to get into all the anatomy and physiology or remember all these Latin words, just explore. How does my body work? Which way can it go? Oh, there's muscles down there that are going to help baby come out. So I need to learn how to soften. I need to know how to move side to side. And I need to know how to, you know, chill out and receive. Yeah. And that's easier said than done because we're kind of, like you said, we've been taught to ignore our bodies and we do ignore our bodies. So then all these physiological changes are happening in our bodies on birthday. And how do you like not get afraid? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a lot of why I bring in meditation. And I'm a lifelong meditator. I was given my first mantra at six years old. And it's been such a gift in my life to learn how to connect and to feel like I I don't have to have all the answers, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I bring in a lot of meditation and visualization into my classes and into my book. And there's guided meditations, not just from me, but from my own teacher. And just learning how to kind of shut off the the monkey mind is a gift. It is. Yeah. It's difficult sometimes. Okay. So then, um, talked about birth and how healthy pelvic floor and endurance, all that helps with, um, a more, would you say a more comfortable labor or what, what would you say really are the benefits of all this preparation? So I find that women feel more empowered in the sense that they, they know that they can trust their bodies. Mm -hmm. If I know my body is my friend and not like this separate entity that does weird things. And I don't know if I can control it or not, or what's going on. I mean, we can't control everything for sure. hundred percent. But if I know that like, okay, this is how things work. And this is how um, I want to show up in the labor and delivery room. I've I've made a plan to show up with the idea that I'm going to kind of go with the flow, that things are going to happen as they happen. And the only thing I can control, and control is my reaction, mm-hmm. then I feel like that puts women into, again, a more empowered state. Very cool. All right. So after the baby's born, you said, of course, that having a baby is a major life event. What are some of the things then that we can do to 
honor our body in those healing, in that healing phase? Yeah, so there's all these beautiful traditions around the world in India and China and um, especially in the, the Eastern countries where like the first, I think it's the first 40 days the woman is taken mm-hmm. care of and they, they wash her hair and they make her food and special cooling foods and heating foods. And I didn't get any of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I had like, what, 24 hours in the hospital and then go home and figure it out. So um, what, I, what I really found, especially in my own experience, was that if I just gave myself permission to rest and not have a to-do list other than be with my baby, at least for, you know, the first two weeks, that, that to me was really, really important. And I highly recommend to women that you just take the pressure off of yourself. You know, if you have a support system, beautiful. Let them know what you need. Also, let them know what you don't need. Because people sometimes come over and they expect you to entertain them right after you had a baby. Yeah. No. Put put a checklist on the door that says, if you want to come visit me, here's the things I need to get done. Uh, there's a load of laundry that needs to be folded. We need dinner tonight. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So, um, all right. So basically the first few weeks, don't worry so much about physical exercise and putting things back together, but just be calm. Yeah. So, um, I definitely have women that want to know when can I exercise? When can I exercise? And it's like, tell me now. Um, so if you really feel like you want to move the next day, I, I don't know many people that do. Uh, but if you if you feel like you know what I just want to get right back into my body, just focus on your breath. That's it. Mm. You know, and then remember like how the inner unit works in harmony. How when you inhale, diaphragm and pelvic floor move down. How when you exhale, it all moves up. Don't try to force it. Don't try to push. Don't go for reps. Kind of, don't go for reps. <laughs> yeah. Don't break a sweat. Got it. No, no. Close your eyes and feel it. And then little by little over the course of the next few days, you're going to go for walks. It's just going to happen. Yeah, you're going gonna, gonna, to you're gonna feel up to it. I know that at the beginning, a lot of physical exercise can cause more bleeding than you need to be experiencing. Yes. And um, Sarah, maybe you can help me with the pronunciation of this word. Is it Lokia? L-O-C-H-I-A. I always forget how to say it. I've heard it's pronounced that way. Okay. So um, if you do too much exercise you bleed and it it's dark blood and it's scary and you're like "Uh uh-oh and and it's really just your body's way of saying you did a little too much and lay off yeah Um, because again the pelvic floor is it's recuperating and rehabbing and coming back together and you had a vaginal delivery like good lord Give your body a second. Yeah, I know. I when my third was born, I went back and shot. Um, I used to shoot weddings, and I shot a double, two sisters over the course of three days, nine hours each, so eight, eighteen hours Ooh. on my feet, and I had a hard time getting the blood. Like I had started to bleed again, and my midwife's like, "Stay in your bed," but I was ready to go. <laughs> like in my mind, I was ready to go, but maybe. Maybe not carrying a 20 pound camera for 18 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so yeah, definitely experienced that of, of reopening where the blood flow came faster than it had been the day before. And that's not a good idea. No, no. no. And then the other thing that we need to watch are um, 
the abdominal muscles and, you know, the separation of the abdominal muscles. When women sometimes go back to uh, like leg lifts or full range of motion um, sit-ups or that kind of work too fast, mm-hmm. then it puts, it puts the abdominal muscles that are still healing at greater risk for greater separation. Um, do the abdominal muscles always go back into place or can they be permanently separated? So um, it, they can be permanently separated. It, it's kind of a misnomer because they're, they're always separated, right? The abdominus rectus has two sides and then the connective tissue that's in between it, it it's called an aponeurosis. And that tissue should be very, very strong. Mm-hmm. And so if you, if you like touch the cartilage at the top of your ear, that's kind of how it should feel. But then sometimes if you touch the cartilage like inside your mouth where you cheek it, after you've delivered it kind of feels like that. Yeah, well, it has to spread. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you have problems. 100%. And especially, you know, for women with like um, multiples, of course, you're going to have some additional expansion. And I know, I know right after my baby was born, if I tried to like do a little tiny sit up, not a full sit up, but my mm-hmm. stomach would go into this like point. Like this, oh, the tent. At the tent, it was yes. very disturbing. It's super disturbing. You're like, what the heck is that? Um, yeah, because and that, that that's connective tissue. Diastis recti. Is that what it's called? Um, so the reason it's so confusing is because diastasis is a Greek word, and recti is a Latin word, and it looks like it should be recti, but it's recti. I had four years of Latin oh, in got Catholic it. Thank school. You. I wish I could forget <laughs> it. Um, but I just usually say uh, abdominal muscle separation. Got it. But but that is that's normal after the baby's born. But it's not normal if the baby's a year old for you to have the tent when you flex your abdominal muscles. Correct, and you can measure it. So there's there's three landmarks um, that you can kind of put your fingers into your belly and see how many fingers you can stick in there. Um, yeah, so like two is fine, but when you're super stressful <laughs> right yeah yeah and then I I see women sometimes and and they shove like their hand they're like oh I can get all my fingers I'm like no 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 <laughs> bad idea not something to brag about because that <laughs> causes problems with um that by itself can cause lower back pain right because your your front your abdominal muscles aren't doing their job and so then your back hurts right is that yes yes so um think of opposing muscle groups right so whenever one muscle group is flexed, so if I flex my bicep, the tricep is stretching, right? So if my abdominal muscles are trying to flex and they can't, then my low back is stretching and it's trying to take over some of the work and it can't. And then if I stretch my abdomen, it, it, let me not get into too many different examples of it, but let me just tell you that if your abdominal muscles are separated, it can lead to back. It can lead to um, even digestive issues because these are muscles that are on top of those organs. It can lead to a myriad of challenges that you don't need to go through because there's help. You know, if you do, if you're exercising throughout the pregnancy, it helps prevent some of it. All of it, no. If you um, have a physical therapist in your area that works with women after labor and delivery, they will help. There are so many resources. You do not have to suffer. You do not have to suffer. Amen. <laughs> okay, so and then um, you also talk about how to involve your baby in post-birth workouts, right? Yes. So um, I heard the story in 
in university, actually. Um, and I remember my professor, Sattler, who was talking about how there were two dads and they both got really puppy chested about like, my, my son can beat your son. And no, no, my son can beat your son. Um, but one son was like, you know, very strong and uh, almost like Bluto from Popeye, just muscles everywhere. And the other one was uh, a little bit like more normal, build, a little bit thinner and just like a regular boy. And so the father of the, the regular or average sized boy gave him a baby cow. He gave him a cow. Mm-hmm. And every day he said, carry this cow around. And then six months later, the kid is carrying like a 200 pound cow on him. Yep. Uh, and so he won the strength contest between the two sons. But what that taught me was, you know, mother nature is so wise in that we're not handed a 45 pound baby, you know, we have a, a five or six or seven or eight or nine or 10 pound baby who's growing a few ounces every day, every week, whatever. Yeah. And so our strength increases as baby grows. So we can also work with the baby as resistance training. So now remember all those <laughs> you squats you did. your baby. <laughs> yeah, I do it. So I squat and then I lift the baby overhead and then I bring the baby to, to my face and I call it kiss the baby squats. Kiss the baby squats. Oh. Yes. So Adorable. you're holding, you're holding onto baby and you say down, 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 up, up, up. And so now baby is learning spatial awareness, connecting with mommy. Mommy's getting super strong and there's benefits on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. And then that baby's like three or four and you're doing that and everyone thinks you're a rock star. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Just kidding. Well, really. I know when I watch other people's kids, even if they're just tiny now, like six months, I'm like, that's so hard to hold her for a whole five minutes. I remember, you know, throwing a baby on each hip and just going to town. Absolutely. Can't do that anywhere. <laughs> and then um, you talk about self-care as well in your book for after, after birth. What kind of, what's your favorite self-care? Ooh, my favorite self-care, um, body work. I think because I work with body so much, if anyone wants to give me a massage, I'm in. Mm. I don't care if it's like the five minutes after the pedicure or like anything, I'll take it. Um, but I had gone at one point, I think I had gone for like two or three years without having a massage. And um, I know that it's sort of a, it, it's a treat and it's not something that everyone can um, afford or has access to. But if you're using your body all of the time and that that's the instrument that's, you know, taking care of you all day, every day, you need to take care of it as well. So yeah. whether it's like, getting a, a foam roller and laying on a foam roller, they're like 15 bucks at Target and digging into the fascia to help release any tension, especially in here for mamas or uh, laying on it you know, on your lower back and kind of rolling side to side, whatever it is that works for you to take care and honor what just birthed the baby is important. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, um, you also talk, I love this, you also talk about um, care for older moms because we have more and more first-time moms that are older and then also people just having babies into their 40s. So what are some of the unique challenges that older women face with their, I mean, it's not like we're osteoporotic yet, but right, <laughs> right? <laughs> it just, yeah, our bodies are changing. 
for sure. Um, so I remember I during my first pregnancy, they told me it was a geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> Wait, your and first I was, pregnancy? Yeah, I was 37. I'm like, geriatric? Wait, I'm 37. Like, what the heck? Super old. <laughs> right. Um, and the obstetrician was very sweet. She's like, listen, the insurance companies need a, a delineation. They need a, a line in the sand when they're saying that, you know, things are higher risk because they, they can and do get a little higher risk. Um, so they chose 35. I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. And then I had my second baby at 42. And then they, they changed the name, thank goodness, from geriatric to now. I don't know if it's that much better, advanced maternal age. <laughs> it's not much better. <laughs> not much better. Oh. Yeah, I know. It's they should like just call little... it old cow pregnancy. I mean. Right? <laughs> um, but they, they scared me quite a bit. Um, not my OB because she's a rock star. She's, she's phenomenal. But I remember going to... Um, uh, get blood work and things done, and you're 42. Oh my goodness! We need to test for A and B and C and D and O, e. um, and kind of sitting on pins and needles waiting for those results to come back because there was a higher risk or a, a higher chances of these things happening. Um, and thank God, in in our situation, everybody was happy and healthy. But I just feel like. You don't have to tell everybody all of the different risk factors. Like if you want, if I wanted to know, I could sit and read about it. I didn't necessarily want to hear, you know, your baby could have all these different um, challenges. And it, it was really hard for me mentally to kind of walk away from those words. I'm like, you know what? I need to get all of these words, these big, scary words out of my mind and push them out because I trust my body strong and healthy let's do this yeah yeah wow yes okay so I want to go back um I want to go back we talked about the physical aspect but I want to talk about sexuality again (laughs) I want to talk I want to talk sex so (laughs) so I mean obviously you made the baby with sex how can you um when you when you call when you say you sexy is being um connected with your body and feeling confident, how can you bring that to, um, to the bedroom while you're pregnant to enhance the relationship you have with your partner when your body's all changing? It's all over the place, literally. <laughs> how can you like rein that in and, and enjoy that connection more? So again, a lot of what I teach is uh, like pelvic floor strength. And so when, when you're learning how to contract these um, different muscles and also, you know, going back to the Kegel and the PC muscles, if you bring that into the bedroom, um, it, your partner's going to enjoy it. <laughs> okay. Then, so practicing those uh, pelvic floor exercises during? Bedroom. During sex. You can do it during <laughs> sex and your partner will enjoy it immensely. Um, but then also your attitude and how you carry yourself. You know, when we look at, for me personally, some of the women who I think are just like the sexiest women on the planet, specifically I'm thinking of Pink, the rock star, you know, she she may or may not be like, um, you know, traditionally what, what we think of as sexy, but she's so like, I'm here, I'm confident, yeah, I, I got say, this. What you see is what you get and, and I am all me. Yes, yes. And when 
when a woman brings that into the bedroom, like I, I think that's kind of hot. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you can find that during pregnancy, like whoo, you got it going on. Yeah. And how, but as you get bigger, it's harder to do the same positions. It's not comfortable nor fun to do these positions or certain things. So what are some of the things that you can try when you're advanced pregnancy stages to <laughs> still feel, because I mean, like you're saying, just have confidence and be you, but like yeah. feeling like a cow is not who I am normally. So no. <laughs> it's no. hard to I- feel connected. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, sometimes sexuality changes. Sometimes you're simply changing positions. Sometimes you're moving into a position where you're in front um, because it just mechanically, it's not mechanically. <laughs> Do some math, some calculus there. Yeah. This is not going to work. Yeah. But I, I heard the, the also that early pregnancy um, with the hormonal shifts, uh, women can want more action, even though they're already pregnant. So going back to that Madonna thing you were talking about, it seems like counterintuitive. You're already pregnant and yet you want it more, right? So a hundred percent. I remember being in a pregnancy group with a girlfriend and she was just telling me how she wanted to have sex all the time. And she was just like, just horny and just wanted her husband constantly. And I remember looking at her like, good Lord, that is the last thing I want. Like, <laughs> Stay what, keep it away from me. <laughs> Look what you did to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think just looking at we're all different and even the same woman from one pregnancy to the next can be totally different mm-hmm. and, and being okay with that. And that more important than these, these acts of sex, you have the, the acts of intimacy. Yeah. And, you know, your partner, whether it's a man or a woman, um, you know, stroking your hair, and yeah. giving your shoulders shoulders a massage or like kissing you on the forehead at night. There's all these like sweet ways that you can connect. And, and that's sexy too. Yeah, super. I heard uh, that a man's hormones change as well. And as the oxytocin goes up near the end and, and after birth, that testosterone goes down and he's going to want naturally less activity, right? I've never heard that, but um, wow, does that make sense? Yeah. It, it would make sense, right? Because in, in nature, why would you, you know, he's got a brand new baby he needs to protect and a mom he needs to care for. So he's probably not going to go out and want to do a lot of other extracurricular activities. He's going to want to. Yeah, so I had a friend explain to me a long time ago that when we're ovulating, um, she said, it's nature's way of getting you knocked up. Your hair is like shinier. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> softer and open because nature just wants everything to get knocked up I mean that's the purpose of the species right if you don't get knocked up your species dies (laughs) totally totally all right Um, so I love that Sarah I never heard that about men but it makes perfect sense yeah cool okay so then afterwards um man I've if I had a dollar for every time I saw somebody in a Facebook group talk about lamenting over sex in the first six weeks or after six weeks and saying my partner wants it my partner doesn't want it I don't want it I want it whatever it is like there's so much stress about bedroom mechanics right after baby's born what would you say to that um um, you know listen to your body and also listen to your doctor or your midwife you usually don't go back to the doctor until six weeks to to check in and that checkup is so quick it's like three minutes yeah they don't even they don't 
check in with you necessarily emotionally. You know, they don't have time. And they're checking to see if you have prolapse. They're checking to see if your organs are coming out. They're checking to see if there's major trauma. And that's about it. Um, so our, our bodies need time to heal. And depending on what kind of labor and delivery experience you had, you know, if you had an episiotomy, then that cut can take longer to heal than if you naturally tore and then the fibers are healing this way. So there's anatomical considerations and you have to listen to, you know, your body. If your body's saying like, that hurts, stop. Um, but also if your your mind is saying like, hey, wait, I'm not, I'm not quite ready. Then yeah. finding a way to connect with your partner and or bring them pleasure, you know, maybe that's the way you go instead of like intercourse. Um, we're all different. And yeah, anyone who says like, this is the hard and fast rule, I, I run from those people. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the ripping naturally versus um, an episiotomy and the, the scar heals. I want to go there a little bit because not very often will my guests go there with me. <laughs> Let's talk about <laughs> the perineum. But you, it's so true. If you rip naturally and the sutures and the stitching is done well, the scarring is a lot more comfortable than um, an episiotomy. But have you ever heard of the husband stitch? Oh, no. What's that? Oh, is that to tighten? The yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Tell so, me about the husband stitch. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's um it's not always known by that name. I think it's known by a couple other things, but basically the that last stitch um done by the doctor to make things a little tighter for the partner and it, and the damage it can cause. And mm-hmm. um I I've I've had many friends um talk about their experience with intercourse right after and where they are not the same size anymore. They're, they're tighter and the intercourse is then super painful and there's reconstructive surgeries. There's all sorts of things, but people worry like that things won't be the same down there. I had a friend who had all C-sections. She's like, well, my sex is probably better than yours. Cause I've never had to, you know, remodel down there. And I was like, Oh, I, I don't think that's true. I think that you can still Enjoy. I don't know. I've never had C-section. So all I've known is the remodeled version of sex, but yeah, <laughs> you know, what do you, what do you say to that? Is there anything that, that, um, you know, what the, the role that the perineum, the perineum's, perineum's healing can have in pleasure and pain in sex? I've heard so many women who experience pain during sex and it's heartbreaking and it, it can be because of trauma um, from labor and delivery or surgeries or all these different things that I've heard. And it, my heart just goes out to them. Um, I've only had vaginal deliveries. I have not had a C-section and I, I healed um, and I didn't ever hear about the husband stitch. But I also had an amazing OBGYN and mm-hmm. I told her, I'm like, I'm scared out of my mind about you coming at me with this scalpel. Like, don't. Yeah. <laughs> and she promised. She's like, listen, I won't if I don't have to, but you have huge babies. <laughs> what, what can we do? Ah, funny. So, um, both of my babies have, uh, they were 100th percentile everything. Everything. Head, well, overachievers. Height. Yes, yes. Um, and so what she allowed the baby to do, she allowed both babies to crown 
for a really long time. And that crowning with <laughs> the big heads um, helped to create space. Mm-hmm. And because I'm so into yoga and meditation, I was closing my eyes and breathing and allowing my body to receive and create space. And I can't help but think that that made a difference. And if yeah. I can teach women that, and that helps people to avoid painful sex, let's do it. I guess that makes sense because you're talking about easing into exercise, easing into strength, a baby crowning for a long time and easing out of those tissues then would be more gentle. A lot of people see that crowning and they're like, push, push, push. You got to get the baby out before it like drowns or something. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know what they think is going to happen. Yeah. The baby's been in there for 40 weeks and totally cool. So yeah, but easing out will help be more gentle on that perineum. Some, some women, that's their only fear. I don't want to tear. I don't want to tear. That's like a huge fear. Well, and it's scary. You know, we, we fear the lack of control. We fear pain and yeah, just anatomically, we fear like, am I ever going to be put back together again? Like Humpty Dumpty. There's a lot of reasons to, um, I understand the different reasons for fear, but again, when we talk through it and when we understand, then sometimes it's simply education that makes us feel more comfortable. Yeah, totally. Wow. This has been fascinating. I could talk to you literally all day. Uh, there are so many questions I have. Maybe we could do a second episode. But how do people find you? And uh, I, your your book is obviously on Amazon because that's where I found it. Yeah, strong, sexy pregnancy. But where where can they find you if they want to contact you? Um, so I have two separate websites. Mothersintolivingfit.com is my website, and my email is on there, and they can contact me there. And that site is devoted to mommies. Like I got you prenatal, postnatal, mommy and me workout, the whole thing is all there. And just recently I've created DesiBartlett.com for people who don't want to talk about babies. Um, but I want to talk about babies all the time. I mean, it's pretty great. Uh-huh. Awesome. So mothers into living fit.com. And of course, if you have any questions about this episode or want me to put you in touch with any of Desi's amazing things, you can reach me at media at birthcircle.com. Thank you so much. This has been fascinating and fun. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. You're super fun to speak with. And I, I've learned from you today as well, some new things. So That's thank you. Best. Thanks. Yeah. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience.